Well, we got a little bit more economic news late in the week. On Thursday, we got the weekly jobless claims, and there we got a number that was a little bit higher than expected, 290,000 first-time uh, jobless claims filed for the week uh, versus 278,000 for the prior week and versus a 280,000 expectation. The number is still low. Uh, but I think that potentially we've seen a trough in that number and that the weekly jobless claims are going to continue to pick up, particularly, I suspect, in 2015, following what I believe will be a very disappointing Christmas holiday shopping season. Uh, we'll see these numbers move back up north of the 300,000, getting back up to 320 to 350,000 uh, type of number for the weekly jobless claims. But you remember, one of the problems is you have to have a job to lose a job. And one of the reasons that so few people are being fired is because so few people have, in fact, been hired. In fact, the JOLTS survey that came out, which measures the number of job openings, last month there were 4.835 million, uh, revised actually up to 4.853 million job openings. They were looking for September to come in at 4.8, and instead we came in at 4.735. So a pretty decent miss uh, versus expectations and a significant, I'd say, decline from the level we were at a month earlier. So that, I guess, was negative economic news. We did get retail sales numbers that came out earlier this morning, a slight beat. They were looking for up two-tenths. Instead, they were up three-tenths. But I think the biggest number that came out that maybe would cause you to scratch your head was this consumer sentiment survey that came out that was at a seven-year high, this consumer sentiment index. Last month was 86.9. The consensus forecast was 87.5. We got 89.4. Now, these are the same consumers that just voted out a bunch of incumbent Democrats and said how lousy the economy was. Yet according to this survey, this is the most positive consumers have been in seven years. I mean, aren't consumers and voters, aren't they the same thing? Or obviously, uh, not all consumers vote. Uh, but you would think that those who are voting maybe even have uh, you know, a better handle on the, the economy than those who aren't bothering to vote, unless you think that the people who are voting uh, you know, are just so disgusted with the economy that they want to go to the polls. Uh, but those consumers that think everything is great uh, couldn't be bothered. You know, they're too busy shopping uh, to, to go and vote. But to me, it's such a significant number, such a significantly high percentage of the people who are voting, who are saying that the economy is lousy and headed in the wrong direction. Uh, for consumer sentiment numbers to be this off the charts, just doesn't make any sense. I mean, sure, they could be happy about cheap gas prices, but it's hard to understand this number other than to view it as a real ultimate contrarian indicator. Uh, because if the consumer is feeling this confident, uh, then it's probably a good sign that he should be a lot more worried, that it's really a bunch of false confidence because they really have no idea how bad things are about to get. And yes, they're getting some temporary relief now, with lower gas prices. But, you know, it's not like this is going to be a permanent situation here. The only reason that oil prices are under pressure is because the dollar is strengthening based on the idea that the entire world is a disaster except the United States. 
And so the world is going into recession. Everybody is taking refuge in the U.S. dollar, and that is uh, suppressing the price of oil. I think when people come to the conclusion, and again, they will come to it, I believe, sometime next year, that we're not going to be the only country not printing money. We're going to be printing money, more money, rather than all the other countries combined. That's how much we're going to print. QE4 is going to be the mother of all QE, and it's going to take everybody by surprise. I mean, people might even be more surprised by QE4 than they were by the first QE. Uh, and again, everybody is looking for rate hikes, and they're not going to get them. And so this will be a game changer in the oil market. In fact, oil prices were up uh, a couple of bucks, I think, here on Friday, having been lower by over a dollar earlier in the trading session. But I think the biggest reversal was in the gold market, gold and silver market. The dollar also had a pretty strong reversal. It was up across the board early this morning and finished down across the board with the exception of the yen. Japanese yen finished the week uh, with another decline, a new uh, low for dollar yen, new seven-year low. It's now you know 116 and a quarter, I think, on dollar yen. But all the other currencies rose against the dollar uh, while they were um, higher. They were lower against the dollar earlier on. In fact, by the time all the economic data came out, um, the dollar was still up. And then all of a sudden, it just had a huge reversal. Gold and silver had a more spectacular reversal. Gold was down about $15 on the lows this morning. And it closed up about $30. So you're talking about about a $45 rise. That's better than a 4% move up from the morning lows to, to the close. We basically closed right near the highs, maybe a buck or two off the highs. Same thing with the gold stocks. I mean, gold stocks, I think, rallied 7%. No, no excuse me. Silver rallied 7% off the lows. Gold stocks rallied more because gold stocks on the day as a group were up about 6%. Uh, yet they were down maybe 2% uh, or more earlier this morning. So huge reversals. And then there were some stocks up 7, 8, 9, 10% on the day. Technically, again, I still think we're, we're putting in a bottom. I think we've gone through the capitulation sell-off, and now we're struggling to find a bottom. I think spot gold still closed under 1,200, around 1,190-ish. But it was positive on the week. In fact, we closed above last week's high. Same thing with the gold stocks. In fact, from a daily trading perspective, both gold and gold stocks on Friday took out the low from Thursday and closed above the high of Thursday. So it was an outside day to the upside, which would indicate uh a rally coming on Monday. And I think if gold can gap up on Monday and gold stops can gap up, gap up. If you look at a chart of the gold stocks, we will have a, a island bottom, right? If we get a nice gap up in all the stocks, you take a look at an index like the, uh, the QE, the gold and silver index, that would, that would indicate an island. And what an island is, it's an area where you have no trading. And it's not a single-day island. It would be a, a multi-day uh, island. No, the island would be in gold itself. It's in the GLD. This is a chart of GLD. So if we could gap up in GLD, we'll have an island bottom. And the island would have taken place over the span of a, of a couple of weeks. And 
that's an area where you gap down and then you trade and then you gap back up and you leave a gap on both sides. And so the area on the other side of each gap, is, it forms like a little island, you know, where the gap is like the sea and the trading days there are, are the land. And that, that could be another good sign of a, of a bottom. What I want to see in gold is I'd like to see gold above 1250, not just above 1200, but to put some distance uh, between 1200 and the price of gold to be a little bit more convinced that the bottom is in for sure. I think it's very suspicious that there is a bottom. But again, as I've been saying these past couple of weeks, it's premature to try to conclude uh, that a bottom is in for sure, especially when you look at the magnitude of the decline. Uh, but if we're not at the lows, I think we're close enough to the lows. And we still have incredibly negative sentiment. As I said earlier in the week, even the people that are saying buy gold are saying it's a trade. You know, it's a dead cat bounce. You know, get in, get out because we're going lower. You don't see a lot of people talking about a, a real low and a new bull market and people should be buying for the long term. Now, interestingly, we didn't take out last week's lows. Last week's lows held. So this week, even though we closed above the highs of last week, which is bullish, we didn't, we didn't take out the previous week's lows. So we didn't put in that kind of weekly reversal on the weekly charts. But it is possible that we will do it on the monthly charts because so far in the month of um, November, we took out the October lows. And October is now a positive month. So we're now trading higher uh, than we ended last month. And if we keep on rallying, it's possible that we can close above the highs from the preceding month and get a monthly reversal in addition to the daily reversal that we had, for example, today. And if we can do that, if gold can close above 1250, it will probably have an even bigger rally in the gold stocks that I think we could be uh, much more certain that we've seen the lows of this bear market and that a new bull market has been born. And it's been born in an environment of massive pessimism. I've never seen such pessimism on gold or gold stocks in my career, despite the fact that the fundamentals have never been better. Again, I can never remember a time where all the central bankers were publicly extolling the virtues of inflation and talking about the evils of price stability. Why low inflation is dangerous. We need at least 2% inflation to have a buffer between zero so we don't have deflation. Right? So central banks have printed a lot of money and they're printing the, and they're promising to print a whole lot more. This is the best fundamental environment you've ever had for gold. Everybody's trying to sustain asset bubbles. Everybody's trying to inflate away enormous liabilities. Yet for some reason, gold is the most hated asset on the planet or maybe gold stocks. And everybody is in love with fiat currencies, specifically the dollar, uh, the most flawed fiat currency of them all and probably of the major ones anyway, and the one that has the most to lose when the realization finally hits home uh, that we're going to be printing more money than all the other major economies of the world combined. And so those people right now who are worried about the yen, worried about the euro, they're taking refuge in the dollar. They think, well, if the Japanese are going to do a lot of QE and the Europeans are going to do QE, let's buy the dollar because they're done doing QE. They're going to raise rates. So they're, it's not necessarily feeding into gold because the dollar is stealing gold's thunder. But when people realize uh, that they got this wrong, that they can't take refuge in the dollar, that when they, they sell the, the euro to buy the dollar, they've jumped out of the frying pan, they've landed right in the fire, right? Because we're going to print 
even more money than they are, well, the only thing left is gold, right? Gold's going to be the last man standing, right? And, and, and people are going to realize this, of course, much too late. It's going to, you know, far from, you know, be, being able to buy the lows. By the time they figure this out, right, the price of gold will be a lot higher than it is now. And a lot of people will be afraid to buy it. They might think, oh, well, I can't buy gold now. It's back at 1500 or 1600 I can't buy that. I'm going to wait for it to go back down to 1200 Well, they might be waiting a long time. Uh, you know, I think the, the, the key here is to be in the market early uh, and, and, and ride out the, uh, you know, the turbulence, because I think the people that are patting themselves on the back now because they're not in the market, they may never get in the market. Right. It may it may take off so fast that they never really have a chance because they're too scared to get in. Maybe they'll finally get in. Maybe when we make new highs, maybe when gold goes through 2000, uh, there'll be some people that will buy it. Uh, but they should be buying it now. They shouldn't be waiting for the market to, to move even higher. You know, when it comes to inflation, I read this article, or rather deflation, by this guy, um, John, John Cochran. He's an economist, a finance professor at University of Chicago. And he got an opinion piece run by the Wall Street Journal. The title of it, Who's Afraid of a Little Deflation? And the subtitle is, a sudden drop wouldn't be good, but a steady annual decline of, say, 2%, question mark, worries about that are overblown. And the guy does an okay job. I mean, not a great job, not nearly as good a job as I've done in the things that I write that the Wall Street Journal doesn't publish. But at least he's, you know, from a major university, and he's basically saying that all of this worry about deflation is, is misguided, that there's nothing wrong with a steady decline in prices. In fact, there's everything right with a slow decline in prices. It is far more conducive to prosperity and rising standard of living than a steady increase in prices. Yet everybody is still talking about deflation and all the central banks are still you know, using this scare tactic, especially the central banks in countries like uh, Switzerland or, or New Zealand now or Sweden or Norway, where they're, they're, they're printing money solely because they're saying there's not enough inflation. And that's the only reason that they're doing it. Uh, but, of course, that's not the real reason. That's the pretense. Right? They're just trying to uh, prop up the dollar to help out certain special interest groups that might uh, be hurt by a weakening dollar. But their entire economies uh, would benefit from the strength of their own currencies and the decline in the cost of living that would naturally flow from the benefits of a, a strong currency. But it's a good article to finally be up on the Wall Street Journal. Somebody other than me is, is, is talking about how ridiculous this fixation is. But since it's so ridiculous, again, you have to ask yourself, why is the government doing it? Why are the central banks making such ridiculous arguments? Why are they vilifying uh, falling prices because they know they're going to create inflation and they need to dumb the public down and get the public to accept inflation, to embrace inflation, because that's their only way out of all this debt, the only politically palatable way out. They don't have the integrity of the default, so they need to do it through inflation, but they got to prepare the public for inflation by getting them to embrace it. Right. But they but it's not going to work. Right. Because they, when, it, when you go to the polls and vote like the people just voted, they're, they're still voting the incumbents out because their standard of living is going down. And by the way, I said this before, you know, this Republican majority in the um, 
in the Congress now is probably going to be a bad thing because we're going into recession. The Republicans don't want to be blamed for it. They don't want to hand the Democrats an issue of being able to run in 2016 against an obstructionist Congress that brought the U.S. economy back into recession and ended the Obama recovery. So they're going to be ready to compromise. And that compromise is going to mean more government, right, an increase in the minimum wage, maybe some tax cuts, but none of it is going to do any good. It's all just going to blow an even bigger hole in the deficit. We combine that fiscal stimulus with some more monetary stimulus. You know, on the inflation front, I just read an article that the Super Bowl ads, they haven't sold out, by the way. They're a little behind last year's pace. I think they're only about 90% sold out. Um, But the cost of a Super Bowl ad, for any of you thinking about buying a 30-second spot, uh, the price is 12.5% higher than it was last year. Yeah, there's no inflation, of course, unless you want to uh, buy a ad for the Super Bowl. But, you know, I saw a video clip. I didn't see the live interview, but it was on Bloomberg. And we've got the clip here, so you can have a listen to this guy. And obviously, he knows what he's talking about. The guy is the, the wealthiest restaurateur in the United States. He's a billionaire, Tillman Frittata, uh, Ferretta. Uh, Fertitta, maybe that's how you pronounce his name. But he's chairman of Lowry's Restaurants, right? And what do they own? They own Morton's, the Rainforest Cafe, Bubba Gump Shrimp, McCormick and Schmitz, um, Clam, uh, Claim Jumper, Chart House, all these restaurant chains, right? And the guy mentions, right, that he that he was had a breakfast or a lunch, whatever, met with um, um, ben Bernanke, and Ben Bernanke tried to say there's no inflation, and he said he was laughing. You know, it's so funny. Uh, I mean, and I know you know this. I had a dinner at your good friend Rich Handler's uh, house a few weeks ago, and Bernanke was there, and he says, oh, there is no inflation. Well, go buy something, whether it's the grocery store, the drug store, you know, the, the broom and mop store, and there's inflation everywhere right now. You see it in your operating expenses. Every, you know, I have so many different types of businesses, so I buy everything. From, from labor to mops to food to shrimp to steak, uh, everything, and, and everything is more expensive. Just think about yourself when you go to a store right now. You're buying something for your kids. Everything is more expensive right now. So you say you have no problem on the revenue side. Yeah, you have problem on the cost side. 100%. So why not just raise prices? We are. <laughs> and that's why right now, if you notice, if you're traveling, you pay more for an airline ticket. You pay more for a hotel room. You pay more for a pot of coffee that's delivered to your room right now. Because there is huge inflation going on right now. He's saying his inflation is, is going on like crazy everywhere. I mean, he's talking about all the business that he's involved in. And all the, the things that he has to buy and the wide variety of things he has to buy. And the one thing that they all have in common is they're getting more expensive. The prices are going up. And then he's even asked, well, if all your costs are going up, why aren't you raising prices? He says, we are. We are raising prices. And we're going to raise them even more. You know, so there's lots of inflation out there. Uh, and it's going to get a whole lot worse. And that is why the, the government has to continue to pretend, right, pretend that inflation is not a problem because we're about to get so much of it. And so rather than having to react to it, right, oh, my God, we better do something about this inflation. We better jack up interest rates, which they can't do. Now, when the inflation numbers really start to pick up, they can, they can congratulate themselves. They can say, hey, it's a victory. Hey, nothing to worry about. Things are doing great. We've got, we finally got the inflation we needed. It's a good thing, boy. We dodged that bullet. It was pretty scary there. For a moment, we thought prices might actually fall.
It's a good thing we saved ourselves from that crisis, right? This is what they're going to do. How long is it going to take before inflation is high enough that they actually want to fight it? I don't know, because they can't fight it. That's the problem. And that's what they can't admit. It's only the perception that the Fed could fight inflation that keeps the dollar supported. People have confidence in it because they have confidence in the Fed. They shouldn't have any confidence because they're in an impossible situation. They can't fight inflation unless they're ready to subject the U.S. for a much worse recession than the Great Recession and a bigger financial crisis than one we had in 2008. And, of course, we know Janet Yellen is not going to do that. There's not even a chance that that's going to happen. 